You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the third format, everyone's favorite buzzsaw. Go. Vocal fam. Hello. It's been a minute. It has. I feel like. I feel like it's been longer than... It's it really only like. been a week, right? It's been a week, but but man, I just feel like it's been a long week. It's been a week. really long week. Okay, I have somebody who wants to say hi, who's been dying to say hello to uh, Vocal Fam. Here's 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 here here you go. Hi, Vocal Fam. It's Olivia. <laughs> we weren't <laughs> sure. My, that was my daughter. She's been dying to say hello to everyone. Has it's been a while since she it said has. hi. She's still doing well. She's still Olivia. Did I tell you about her backbend walkover business? Handstand yeah, into a backbend into a flip kickback thing. I don't oh know. Oh my gosh. And she's working on her back handspring. Wow. Shit's so incredible. Cool. She's going to so be one of those people Dan- that just does like back handsprings across like a field or something. Uh, I you know, Give her another year. Oh my goodness. Um, all right. Say goodbye, Olivia. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> anyway, vo- vocal fam, it's been a uh, crazy week around here. It's um, been a long week. We've got, I think, I think we've got everybody that we're going to do for Nat's National Scheduled. We do? I think, we, I, th- I think everybody who we've got scheduled now, I think that's just that's what it, it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. Hey, it's a, great, Hopefully, it's a great lineup. Hopefully, we can still... And I'm just putting this out there into the universe. Hopefully we can still get acoustic voice pedagogy workshop scheduled. We're trying. I mean, to give credit, like. It's not that there's not been effort. Effort has occurred. Like more than it's I. It's just that there's. Would have. It, there's, there's, there's one certain faculty member in Howell who um, is um, been a little bit difficult to schedule. Um, uh, so anyway. <laughs> I can't say much. I'm I'm difficult as well right now. That's true, actually. I could blame Sarah more you, than you anybody else. You probably could blame me more. Like they sent out a list with all these dates. I'm looking through. I'm like, hmm, yes, I can do one of these. One. Yeah, I we did. Think a, we did lined a doodle up poll with everybody and... else's schedule. It looked like. Oh boy. Anyway, what a, what, a, what a thing. We're trying, and we've got we've we're got. Not let trying, me see. We're I, I, I Oh. Ooh, uh, ooh, that, that. I actually. I actually added it up. So we'll have we'll ne- next week we have a very special guest which we'll get to in a second. Uh and then the week after we're actually recording the week after's podcast also next week. So we'll have Nat's national guests on February 1 and 8. Then Sarah and I'll be back with you on the 15th just <laughs> just us. Just us. Uh with with a special guest sort of going on weekly right now. Yeah. And I th- I think we're going to be back just us on the 22nd. February 29th will be a special guest. Um March the 7th will be a special guest. March the 14th will be a special guest. March the 21st will be a special guest. 
all trying to get ready for Nats National. That's the thing. Uh, if you're wondering what's going to be happening at Nats National, we, we can give you the lineup, basically. We we are trying to give you the lineup. Um, and as Vocal Fry is getting ready, as far as we know, tomorrow there's going to be a very big Vocal Fry announcement for the Vocal Fam. Right. Yes. Right, Sarah. So can't say it now. I don't. I probably uh, not. Probably not. No. That's okay. We should just wait till the. I think the. I think the press release goes out tomorrow. And and did you hear that vocal fam? I said the words press press release. release. This is not some small little thing that we're just. (laughs) Oh, Sarah got a haircut. I wish I got a haircut. I wish. I wish I could announce that. Oh, I'll give y'all exciting announcement, guys. I like cottage cheese now. How exciting is that? Y'all probably don't I mean, that's exciting. I care. That's pretty healthy, right? I love cottage cheese. Who doesn't like cottage cheese? Actually, there are people who don't like cottage cheese. I'd never had it. I was like, ugh, that looks gross. End of story. It looked gross. And if you read books and stuff, they always like kind of refer to it in weird terms. Well, Aria has been sick this week, and the doctor said you should feed her some cottage cheese. And so we did. And then we were like, I've never tried cottage cheese. And Jamie and I both tried it, and we were like, well, dang, this is delicious. When, <laughs> As a result, much cottage cheese has been eaten this week. Really, Full-fat cottage cheese is delicious. It was amazing. Like, I, Now, let me tell you something about cottage. Go ahead. So go oh, ahead. I was just going to say that like, it, it really reminded me like one of my favorite things. It's a kick I've been on for like six months now is like, you know, when you, you do mo- mozzarella and like cherry tomatoes all marinated with like olive oil and balsamic vinegar, you know, you know? Yeah. Caprese salad. I love that. And cottage cheese, for whatever reason, really reminds me of that minus the tomatoes. I mean, I'm sure I could just add tomatoes, but... Yeah. I don't know. Weird thing. Yeah, but sort y'all of. should be proud of me. Sort it's healthy. Of. I ate it for breakfast like two days this week instead of muffins. Whoa, what's Love happening? It. Did you know that stuff's got a lot of protein um, in it? It's crazy. I I so in Pennsylvania Oh dear. There are strange oh dear. things. Okay. Oh I grew up in Pennsylvania, vocal fam. I think we've covered this before. Oh dear. Hmm. And Pennsylvania Dutch food in general can be a strange thing. I totally sort of an off that. offshoot of German cuisine. And one of the things is usually at the beginning of a meal, you're always given a choice at a restaurant of applesauce or coleslaw. But instead of like bread, you know, like most places do bread. No, they'll give you bread too. But but apple but you get sauce? a little it's like a it's like a prelim salad course. And you get applesauce or coleslaw. And sometimes in mm. real Pennsylvania Dutch restaurants, oh no. You get the choice of cottage cheese with apple butter. Mm. <laughs> I wish you all could see the look on Sarah's face. I right just, now. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I like cottage cheese, but that doesn't sound good to me. It's kind of like a dessert. That's the thing. I keep seeing recipes because I've Googled a lot of cottage cheese this week. And they all are like, oh, add fruit. And I'm like, I don't want to add fruit. Why would I add fruit to this? This tastes like delicious yeah, it's mozzarella. Co- 
it's in that vein and uh you mix in the apple butter let me tell you what cottage cheese and some apple butter that's that's pretty dope right there i don't know uh, i don't know i'm gonna take your word for it that's back in the day back in the day when you lived in pennsylvania anyway yes back in the in the in the boondocks as they would say of pennsylvania uh uh, anyway anyway anyway, now that i took us off on that where were we what were we talking about about exciting news and let me just say vocal fam that our news tomorrow will be far more exciting than the tangent i just went off on Yes. But you're welcome. Yes, it for will. That. And at the end of the episode, we'll tell you who our guest for next weekend will be, which ties into the announcement. Uh, right. <laughs> Sarah's like, wait, what are you talking about? We have two guests really on Saturday. We do have two guests on. We have get. We're recording two episodes next weekend, so it's just gonna be jam packed uh, for us. Y'all still just get one. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You just get the one. Did you Did you happen to see speaking of this announcement? Did you happen to see John Nix and my exchange on the Facebook mm-hmm. thread? I'm going to be real this week. Like I have looked at Facebook probably less than I have in years. Well, that's probably for the best. But let's so just no, say that John Nix and I John Nix and I had an amusing uh exchange, shall we say? Uh, on the post where I was having people, where Yvonne was trying to guess what the announcement was oh, about. Oh, and, and you started commenting. Oh, no, I didn't see that. I saw where she had been commenting, but I didn't oh, see. Oh, yes. Well, then well, now a, I've certain, go look. a certain other uh, person commented, which is with an emoji. Oh, and ha, then, ha, ha. I and see then John Nix, John Nix uh, sort of took it to... A completely different place. But let me just speak into the universe this <laughs> for today. In case anybody can arrange Sir Patrick Stewart to be make an appearance at Nats National and Vocal Fry gets to interview him, I will wear the spandex Nats jumpsuit. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I would. I. I don't. I don't even know what would be more fantastic, like Patrick Stewart or the spandex jumpsuit. But I'd pay for both. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> yep. I just now saw anyway. all that because, like, my phone was notifying me at first when you first posted that, and I was looking, and I was like, "Oh, look, people commenting." I should reply to that, but then life happened, and I didn't see anything else. And I guess it just stopped telling me when people commented, and so somehow I missed that amazing exchange. <laughs> Yeah, my it was life pretty would have epic. been so much duller had I, like, if I had never known that occurred. Yeah. Anyway, let's just say that there was a spandex jumpsuit, the Nats Foundation, the posters are, the and, and a lot of different things involved in that one random thread. So anyway, so that's that's a bit of uh, introduction. I did want to cover today. I, I know we got to cut to our thing here, our special, uh, our special segment here in a minute. Da-da-da. Um, but, uh, I, um, 
I do want to cover a pedagogy thing today if we can if we can get to it but should we start it and then come back to it or should we just I'm very should concerned we just, if we start it and come back to it that we won't even I'm going to forget what, what I was talking about. Also yeah. we have a total of 4 minutes. Yeah, That's okay. Not so for let's us to just start anything. Let's just pause vocal fam. We'll be right back. Yeah. With a very special new segment of the podcast. At least for the next few weeks. For the next few weeks. Called Picard PhD. Yay. Okay, Sarah, let's kill this recording and we'll come back. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. And stop. It's Picard PhD. Now you'll learn something real nerdy. As we go to Dr. Glasner's lab in section 31. Da, 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 da. Okay. All right, vocal fam, our first ever. Here we are, Picard PhD, Yay. with our dear friend, Dr. Joshua Glasner PhD. Yay. Lieutenant Commander Joshua Glasner. I've just given you your acting I rank. I appreciate the rank. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lieutenant Commander. I mean, that's... Uh, I'm basically that's Data. Fancy. Yeah, I was Oof. just going to say, you're ops. I mean... I love Data. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a high-class science officer In right fact. there. I'm pretty pleased. I, I, it's, I find yeah. it acceptable. I, I want to be Sarah an ensign. Is still, uh, Can I be an I ensign? That's an really ensign. all I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe acting ensign. Hey, I don't know. Hey. No, you, you're not ensign. We'll give you. In two weeks, I have gotten into the third season of this show. My every spare moment is Star Trek right now. I get up in the morning, start eating Wait, breakfast. You're... Breakfast, Star Trek. I'm eating. Dinner. You're in the third season already. Uh, yeah. Impressive. I'm telling like, it, it's not all consecutive. Like again, I'm eating breakfast. Star Trek is probably on. I'm eating dinner at night. Star Trek's on. I'm getting ready for bed. It's Star Trek. And then I'm asleep. And then I'm at work. So I'm at work or I'm probably watching Star Trek. Like, this is my life right now. <laughs> Speaking of, since you're in season three, have you gotten to yesterday's Enterprise yet? No. it's I'm just in oh. season three. Like, I just watched the one with um, I don't the, the Dowd. The guy who accidentally yeah. wiped out all the... It was it Huskons? Hooksons? Um, he, like... He's this immortal entity. The two old people. Yeah, and he the fell in love with The two old people and only woman. he's real. The, the wife well, isn't real. she was real. at first, but they go to this planet and they get invaded by aliens and they destroy the planet and he's the only one left and they killed his wife and so he literally obliterates the entire species because he can do that, but he's usually, like, really a pacifist because of how powerful he is and he goes a little crazy and like recreates his wife because he's sad it was really good i actually really i, enjoyed I the feel episode. like throughout all of star trek i've seen that type of episode like three or four times yeah so i'm, I'm having <laughs> a hard time like, right. like putting that one back together it was a really good one i i really liked it um P- P- picard's speech at the end is the one where he goes we have no laws yes. for you. Yes. Because. Right. Because that was the thing. Like, even though he had done this horrible thing, like mass genocide, I wasn't even like necessarily mad at him. Like, I just felt so bad for him. So anyway. Wait, P- Picard gave a speech? I know. I know. Right? Picard no. gave a speech, which 
uh, takes which us is into in the, the uh, it's it's like uh it's at the very end of the or uh the transition the, the little like clips yeah. of the upcoming season absolutely it's like you absolutely. did that on all purpose. right so vocal fam since sarah is new to star Damn. trek i just felt like we had to bring in a guest who had a deep deep love and knowledge of all of star trek and so i just thought that josh was the only person i knew who we could bring into this world who could who could drop some true star trek perspective on us all right so what were your what uh, were your thoughts on the uh, new episode um yes let's just go around what was our what was our favorite uh what was our favorite maybe let's deal with this first what was our favorite callback to next gen uh for any anybody Mm, i don't know so this is a really little thing but i actually love that his dog is named number one i i don't like that's such a little thing but the minute that happened i was like oh it made me feel good inside. That's like I such mean, that, a yeah, little that's thing. That's what it's there for. But it was one of the few feel-good moments in that episode, so maybe I just clung to it. Everything else was like sadness, despair. This is what we have come to. I loved uh, T. Earl Grey decaf. Yeah, that was How do you feel about the decaf, though? He's old. I'm interested to see if it changes once he gets to space. Yeah, is that is it like is it does it end up being like a Janeway in Endgame where she's like, I stopped drinking coffee except when it counts. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, how did we? Uh, I also the callbacks uh, and Josh, you may have more perspective on this because of the later seasons. The stuff in his like um, archive. Uh, so I mean, obviously, the the stuff in his archive, the the biggest, uh, the, the, I, the the not the not the most important aspect of that, but the um, the thing that sticks out very easily for everybody is, of course, the Picard Day uh, banner, right? Yes, not the so banner. Much, and, yes. And, and, and well, I thought it was cute. Well, and, and Sarah, what but, you'll see is that the the really cool thing with that banner is actually that in the episode he hated it. Ah, uh, that seems right for him, though. So, but so there's this like there's this aspect of it where where Picard, as we knew him, hated this like adoration that he was getting from the kiddos, um, who created this banner. Yeah. Um, but in fact, it's actually part of his archive, so it gives you like an extra element of um who this character has become and like uh his kind of growth over the past twenty years now. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Well, I read it makes a it made a little sense because. Because I haven't finished the whole Next Gen series, I went ahead and I kind of read some of his biography because I wanted to make sure there wasn't like some major plot points that were going to be necessary for this, which I think there definitely are going to be some. So I'm glad. You, sure. you mean like like Commander Data dying? Well, yeah, like Commander Data dying. <laughs> I was super glad I knew that going in or I was going to be whew, more wrecked. I had to stop the episode like five minutes in and I went and cried for a few minutes because I was so like messed up just even just those few minutes in because they kept showing uh, anyway anyway um but yeah like that uh the bit with the borgs and just some other there were just little things i was like oh i'm really glad i read his biography going into this or i would i would Definitely. still be pretty oh lost. sarah 
you haven't even watched Best of Both Worlds yet. I know, right? Mm-mm, I have. And I saw, I read about that, though, a little bit. A little bit. So, oh, so again, boy. it gives a little perspective. I, I know I ruined some things for myself, but I felt like otherwise the show, this new show was going to ruin, you know, everything. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. But can I just, for you, when you eventually do watch Best of Both Worlds, remember that for all of us who were watching it live, we had to go from June to September thinking Captain Picard was now a Borg. Yeah, yeah. that would have been bad. I'm, I'm really glad that I am watching this, you know, however many years later. And I just, that's, I think that's what's made this, this series so low, like, risk for me watching it is because, you know, it's season three and like, oh, something horrible is happening and they might all die. But I'm like, but they're not. <laughs> they're- Game of Thrones hasn't happened yet. That doesn't happen on TV. Yeah, well, also, like, there's what? How many other seasons of this show? Like, they're not killing off Captain Picard in season three when you've got, like, four more seasons, you know? Also, there's a new series. Very unlikely. <laughs> um, uh, Josh, what yeah. was your favorite Captain Picard? What was your favorite Captain Picard moment in the new in the in the first in the pilot in the first episode? So I think that in terms of the callback, I think I don't know why it made me so happy, but to hear them talking about Bruce Maddox. Yes, I, I love that. Oh my gosh, I absolutely so because much. one of my favorite one of my favorite episodes ever out of all of Star Trek is Measure of a Man. Yeah. Which is basically the only episode now that I feel like everybody has to go back and rewatch. Absolutely, because so you're talking I about you it. know people being othered or like what is human, what is life, and yeah, what? it's it's really it's important. Even like it's it's something that kind of transcends the whatever decade you're watching it in. It's important on its own, but definitely important going into this series. Absolutely, and the callback to. Um, the callback, I love that we finally, for the first time, we see the Daystrom Institute. Absolutely. I was just thinking that. I mean, ah. But in terms of like my favorite like actual like Admiral Picard mm. um, moment, um, it's a it's a toss-up between when the when the reporter says um, Romulan lives and he says no, lives. lives. Yeah. And lives. then or I mean, and then for a different reason rather. When he's running up the stairs and he has to stop to catch a breath. Oh, I know. That broke my heart. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, it, it, first of all, you never see these types, except for like the movies, you don't see those types of action scenes in the, uh, in the, in the TV series. (laughs) Um, but, but not only that, it's, it's them saying like, look, not only is this like new track, um, or like 21st century track, but you, but Picard isn't the Picard you know anymore. Yeah. Which was very hard. Right. That was another thing that I was talking to y'all a little bit about earlier. That it was really hard. Again, coming off of season three, where I'm seeing these people in their prime, not just you know mentally, but physically, the whole enterprise in its prime, and then going and watching this episode where you know he's struggling to run up the stairs. Where in that interview, they're obviously trying to make him out to be a, maybe a scapegoat. Um, or just ridicule him, demean him, and like that was that was so hard. Or she's you know she's trying to get she's trying to have a gotcha moment. Yeah, she wants which to she make him up look getting. crazy. Which, yeah, I mean, that that was actually it was after that interview that I paused it and was like, what's happening? Yeah. So it was it was a brutal episode, but really good. Don't don't get me wrong, I, I loved it, but whew, don't go into it thinking you. I was. Next gen. 
I was glad that the data callbacks were dream sequences mm-hmm. and that it was not like this weird kind of functional before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And they made it clear they that, won't. That... Speaking of dream sequences, did you notice um, what happened? Uh, or what did you notice Data's hand? Yes. What did you know? That, that, he... that it was an old man's hand? Oh, no, what no, no. That's about? not where I'm going, actually. His his hand when he was playing poker in the dream was all five queens. Five queens. So is it like board queen or is it Q? Right. Or is it just a callback? Right. I just was like, well, that's um, not how poker works. I think <laughs> so. The the, the serious trek. The serious. Tre- were there any continuity problems for you, Josh? Um. No, but I don't think so. But I think that we're going to, I think they're going to retell the the Romulan um, son story. Yes, it appears so. Because I was thinking back to how he was talking about, you know, they're talking about how Picard tried to organize um, like a mass exodus of the Romulans, mm-hmm. um, which they said was like 900 million people or something. Um, and then... Uh, this thing with Mars that they haven't really explained yet, this thing with Mars happened yeah. um, that caused Starfleet to say, oh no, we're not going to help the Romulans. And and Picard said something in the interview. He's, he was like, oh, the, the equivalent wouldn't be the pyramids, it would be Dunkirk. But Dunkirk was like during a war. Yes. And Dunkirk, yeah, it was a mass like kind of um, evacuation. Um that allowed the the allies to kind of uh, cause I looked up on this because I didn't, actually didn't know much more than the reporter um, about Dunkirk, um, but it, it it allowed the allies to kind of regroup. Yeah, the only bit um, I knew about Dunkirk was from the movie that came out fairly recently. Yeah, but but the 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 you know the the Romulan stun blowing up that was from the new Star Trek in the alternate timeline, mm-hmm. um, and it was like the way it was shown or portrayed was more uh like akin to like this natural disaster happened um but now i'm wondering is it going to be some part of some like larger war is it going to be a war with synthetics is it going to be a war with the romulans themselves um it you know one thing that i i picked up um that the star trek um the next conversation guys were talking about um was that in the jj abrams the line that, what's his name? Nemo? Yeah. No, what's the captain? Yeah, Nemo. Yep. The line that he says it, no, not him, Spock. Mm-hmm. The line Spock says is, a son went supernova. Huh. Not the Romulan son. Hmm. And I'm interested to see, apparently there was some retconning already because apparently the the pre-release movie comic actually said the Romulan son, but then the movie said a son. Oh, gotcha. And so there was already some like continuity problems there. And the interesting thing is, I don't think that there's really a problem with the idea that this event happened in the prime universe. Because I mean, the Kelvin timeline is a split to the past a hundred years before next gen, 
you know, and so the idea would then be a la Doctor Who that there would be two realities. Right. Mm, okay. You know, you remove an infinity stone, it doesn't, you know, it just creates an alternate timeline. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, I think the idea is that not this event still happened in the prime timeline. Um, it, it, it just, the Kelvin timeline was then created. Uh, but right. I, I obviously, I, obviously this entire thing's going to have something to do with synthetics. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Obviously it seems as if, so what did we think about Dodge's character with the obvious i here was here was one complaint i had a little bit about the episode there were some times where the writing got a little clunky to me clunky was my wife's word mm-hmm. when when they were like and now audience you need to understand that this necklace is important sure yeah. like picard never would have said that's an interesting necklace could i see that like that just seemed out of character to him for me, or like when they were at the Daystrom Institute, and he said, and like she explains to Jean Luc Picard the treaty that happened after that explosion. Like he he was probably on the dumb thing that made the treaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were just some things that like seemed like here, audience. Here's this piece of information that you need to know if you've never watched Next Gen or the well, movies. Or just a large part, like I'm sure they're hoping to pull in a lot of people that maybe have never watched Star Trek at all. Absolutely. And you Correct. know, if you if you're not used to, never mind even Star Trek, but if you're not wa- used to watching sci-fi in general, you know, you might not know to pay attention to some of these things or how important they are. And I mean, and beyond that, it is, I mean, this episode was really just a lot of setup. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, heck, they killed one of the main characters or maybe killed one of the main characters like within the first 40 minutes. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I thought that like the acid was somehow going to reveal like maybe her true form or something. I don't know what I was expecting. Death was not it. Twin was not it because, you know, sort of a very Sherlock thing to say. It's, it's never twins, except then it was. So. I don't think it's acid, by the way. Oh, Jamie was saying that I'm their blood sure is like is. acidic, but no, because he I, was having the same. He was having a similar reaction, but again, she's some sort of android hybrid type thing. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. Like, um, I have two theories. Mm-hmm. One, remember in Discovery, Josh? I just I just watched it last night in season one in the other universe. When the guy injects the other guy with uncompatible DNA and he explodes. Oh, yeah. So it could be a DNA bomb. <laughs> okay. That was incompatible with her DNA. The second thought I had was that it was, and this is, I think, the more highly probable thing, particularly because we're dealing with synthetics. I think it was a nanite. I think it was that a bomb would make of nanites. Sense to me. Except um, that the I, Romulan was also having the same reaction, so I, I I don't know. It's yeah, but but nanotech could take over organic or machine. Sure. Once it's released from its, I mean that that was just my. There you go, vocal fan. There's your deep deep sci <laughs> sci fi dive. On, but in on any crazy. event, it was a lot of like um, set up for future things. Yeah. Um, and it's, apparently, apparently, the first three episodes are going to be set up it. for everything else makes sense oh on this note 
Are you guys familiar with the writing team at all? No. Uh, no. Okay, so Michael Shabon, C-H-A-B-O-N, if you want to look him up, is the lead showrunner for this show and the lead writer. Michael Shabon is a Pulitzer-winning novelist. What do you write? Uh, yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> uh, I, I, ha- I just... I just read this yesterday and I forgot already. Um, but I think he won his Pulitzer in 2012, maybe. Um, anyway, what I kind of liked about this, despite the fact that, it, yes, it was probably a lot of setup, I felt like immediately they were playing the long game rather than a short we're only going to get one season binge-watching game. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. I, I felt like immediately I was like, this is going to take multiple seasons to resolve some of these arcs. Very Game of Thrones-esque. Well, and that, and it's funny you say that because I'm getting like a real serious like, like Sean Bean vibe from Patrick Stewart right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like we might... Like a foreshadowing of something, of something happening, happening towards the end of season one. To him, even. Because let's be real. To him. You probably couldn't base a, a multiple season series around someone who's like, I mean, how old is he? I think he's 77. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm with you, you on know, that. Don't you go kill Jean-Luc season. Picard on me in episode one. I'm, what? I'm with, I'm with Josh on that a little bit. Don't you go killing Jean-Luc <laughs> Picard on me in episode one, man. The first scene was him saying, I don't want the game to end. Yeah, I know. Like the, When they said that, I was like, oh my gosh, they wouldn't kill him in the first episode, would they? Because right? he said that, I was like, is he dying? Am I about to find out he has like some terminal illness? Yeah. I mean, his heart's already, yeah. you know, been replaced how many times i don't want the game to end i'm all in yeah which hello like yeah it's like you're saying like that's the whole series setup you know he doesn't want the game to end and so he's just going in like he's like ah i owe it to data to like oh my word and who's he defeated by the five queens Just saying, I think yeah, <sighs> I think they've set us up for a lot. They gave us so much. Like that was a weird thing to me too. That I felt like we got so much information in the first episode between like, okay, because again, keep in mind, noob. So anything I put out there that y'all are like, oh, Sarah, that's obviously not what it was. I'm not gonna be offended. That that was like I've only seen the Borg once, but that was the Borg thing that the Romulans are rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Borg we're is, using as a as a um, model for their. The Borg, I mean, that's like, like the... refugee facility. That seems to be yeah. like a very, like, one of the big bads in Next Gen, even though I haven't even, like, encountered it except for one time. The Borg are the... The Borg and the Romulans are the big bad that, in that's Next That's the Gen. vibe I've gotten. So, like, I mean, I feel like we're definitely going somewhere. And it was super trippy to me that the twin... I thought when we, got, when we were zooming in on that, I'm like, oh, they've already taken her. She's being held prisoner. But that really wasn't it. That was a surprise to me, like... I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. I th- I think this this Mars thing is going to be fleshed out quite a bit. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched the short treks, um, mm-hmm. but the last the final short trek was about yeah. a little bit about the um uh Explosion. the Mars attack. Um, what is short trek? Uh, short trek is uh, in between every episode. They'll oh. have like a short uh, like a five minute or so um, little mini episode. Um, that will usually feed into the next episode, whether that's Discovery or Picard or Okay, whatnot. that's cool. I did not know that. 
Yeah. So, like for example, in Discovery, there's a part where they're talk where this, which uh, you know, Nick, you should actually watch um, these short treks as you like. You should line them up with your Discovery watching. Um, gotcha. Come the second season, I believe. Um, okay. Because there's actually one where um, uh, Saru, he actually, it, it's his like his um, origin story. Um, which includes like a little bit about his sister and then the very first episode of the second season i guess he just it's a minor reference but he references his sister gotcha um so so but in any event these mars this mars short track and the mars attack where they're saying that these synthetics like androids or something um went rogue or something what i'm wondering now is are are the like Borg human hybrids or the like recovered Borgs, are they going to end up being like considered synthetics? I think they're going to be outcasts. Certainly. And, but you know, there's an interesting point about the idea of them going rogue. If you remember back to measure of a man, I mean, isn't there a whole thing about them? Essentially Picard's part of his reasonal rationale that you're basically essentially talking about creating slaves. Yep. And what if a slave gains sentience? Then it's not a, it's not you know your machine. It's a slave. Absolutely, and this is something that they actually then hashed out again in Voyager. Um, they were hashing it right. out with the emergency medical hologram, and then there was a um, uh, like a, a hollow novel that the doctor um, actually wrote, and then it went over to Earth, and then it got passed around by the model of hologram that he was who were actually discarded and then mining um, some like moon or something. Um, so that Star Trek keeps bringing this thing up about like um, what is life? What is um, uh, like, how does one respect these um, different kind of underprivileged uh, populations? Um, and they're obviously hearkening to things that we deal with in our society, which I think is Trek at its best. Yeah, it, it, it really is. I mean, obviously the, the, and again, we try to not get political on Vocal Fry, but the sort of overtones of a refugee camp are sort of unmistakable in, uh, in our current, you know, climate Absolutely. idea. You know, that just that kind of idea. I had, this um, is a totally different thing. I had a question that I wanted to ask people that, like, you know, knew. Uh, Picard's staff, this is a very minor question, too. Were they? I I didn't know what race or species they. Romulan. 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 Okay, because I saw the pointy ears, and at first I was like, Spock has pointy ears. Um. But okay, so no. Sarah, Rom Romulans and Vulcans have the same genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just as a society, they were sister. Sis, they were the, they were the same race, mm-hmm. and as a society, they split. Okay. Um. And the Vulcans chose to totally get rid of emotion and ambition and the romulans actually they're as they're as brilliant and as strong and as advanced as the vulcans but but with but it's and and they're essentially the most ambitious uh race although the cardassians there's problems with the introduction of the cardassians to me but um, the Romulans were meant to represent Rome. Well, that totally makes sense. Romulus and Remus and all that jazz. Um, Absolutely. Okay, that makes sense because, like, when they introduce those people, and I'm like, okay, pointy ears, no, no, kind of what that means, but y'all aren't acting like anything I know. So I don't know. Now I do, and that helps. 
Because yeah, I was, yeah, but that also totally makes sense with where the show is going, and he totally would have Romulans living and friends with him, and their comments to him make sense based on that. So, so jumping around a bit, I just also have to mention it. I loved Picard's moment with her on the bench at Starfleet. Um, her his where he was describing data. Uh and just going through the whole thing of you know her activating and and her and and specifically the moment where he says i'm gonna get the quote wrong but he says you are lovingly and wonderfully made yeah um even and and that i mean the the uh as a writer i think the clear homage uh in that to scripture you are fearfully and wonderfully made is too obvious a parallel. Sure. Um, and it was just, I thought it was just wonderful. The idea of really setting her up as individual, as sentient, as human, yeah. even though she was a made machine. Yeah. And there was a, um, there's a part right before that as well, where he said, those are, he said, those are beautiful memories and they're yours. Yeah. No one can take them right. from you. No one can take them from you. And that was that was incredibly beautiful, too. Kind of like acknowledging this kind of uh, almost like modern um, uh, or pop psychology um, kind of idea that like everybody has their own view of the world. And that and that is valid, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think Just is really powerful. Yeah, that's that's good. Thought it was great. Thought it was great. Yeah, I am very excited in the long run to hear more about the Mars attack, particularly with obviously the uh, Sarah. You might not be aware of this. So, on have you gotten? Have you met Leah Brahms at all yet? Mm, no. What does she, does she do something? She is introduced in season three. I'm you, very early season um, three. Very. Early. Okay, you'll meet a character named Leah Brahms who who Jordy falls in love oh, with. Nope, definitely haven't met her then. Uh, except very in a very weird way. That's the only <laughs> way it seems to happen. Well, there's a theory that Jordy's a mechaphile. I don't know what that means. That oh. Jordy's actually in love with machines. Oh. You can say that he, he had a bit of a hollow dream. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I've seen, I saw a girl like an episode ago who I'm pretty sure was in love with Data and like tried to kiss him. And he's like, oh, you must be showing support for my cause. And she's like, Oh, you're past yeah. that episode. Yeah, yeah. That's that was a weird, a weird episode. episode. <laughs> well, there have been several um, weird moments. Like, Well, also, yeah. remember, it was the 80s, so everybody's in therapy. So <laughs> it was like the first time therapy was a thing, like in culture. Yeah. And so, like, they just assumed, oh, well, it's space. Everybody will be in therapy. Everybody, yeah, yeah. It's, it's trippy. Um, yeah, anyway, maybe we'd all be in a better place if we were all in therapy. Um <laughs> Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, data. Jordy. 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 Oh, Jordy. And I really want to see if Jordy was in fact on Utopia Planitia. Ooh. What I was going to say, Sarah, is so on Mars are the Utopia Planitia shipyards, uh-huh. which is where the Federation builds all their ships. Oh, no. And what was, so what was really attacked were the Utopia Planitia shipyards. And in the prequel comic, we find out that Jordy and Leah are on Utopia Planitia working on new warp oh, drives. Oh, that makes so much Oof. more sense as to why then, like, Federation would be all, like, well, would be really upset and potentially pull back, like... And whether Jordy LaForge is still alive. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Now you're making me sad. I said Picard, you said Jordy. 
Um, so uh, we'll have to see how that plays out because Lavar has not been contacted yet mm-hmm. um, by all of his records. Um, obviously, we know that uh, Marina Sirtis and Jonathan Frakes will be in a, I think, fairly soon upcoming episode. Um, because Frakes has directed at least three of the production yep. block, I think. Um, and uh, I'm talking about Riker okay. and um, is it Troy? Riker, Riker and Troy are married I, and have. I kids. wondered if that was like based on just the pairing. I was like, surely that's who they mean because that, that's who I would probably bring back for um, this at least for an episode. M- Michael, Michael Dorn has basically said that he does not want to come back as Worf, mostly because I think he wants to. Um, not put the turtle head back on, as he calls it. I get that. Um, I get that. Uh, right. Uh, well, you know, Jonathan Del Arco, who plays Hugh, who you've not met yet, he basically only agreed to come back if the prosthetics were not as involved mm-hmm. as the original Borg prosthetics. But again, I mean, that um, was like... So long ago? Decades yeah. ago. Like, I mean... Yeah, it was 1990. Surely we can, we can make some improvements. <laughs> well... Yeah, in some things in life, but then I look back and I think, oh, well, uh, what are you gonna do? Um, okay, now, so, so o- overall, uh, if we had to rate the 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 opening one out of ten, ten being the best, where would we rate the with the pilot here? Remembrance, the name of the episode. I can, for me, I guess like an eight. I liked it a lot. I, 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 eight's a solid number. Yeah, I I think of the. I'm just thinking back to make sure I'm not making a mistake. I mean, of the of all of the all of the uh, different series, I think that was the strongest first episode. Yeah, people have been people have been debating that online quite a bit. Was it the strongest Star Trek premiere? Um, I think for me, I'd probably I think eight's a pretty good number, Sarah. Actually, mm-hmm. I think I think I definitely knock a point off for some of my things of clunky writing at times, um, that were maybe unavoidable. Maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think that at least knocks it down. I'm trying to also not just view it so emotionally as seeing very quite possibly my favorite character in the history of sci-fi back on screen. Um, and uh, so I, I think, I think maybe I'd go eight, 8.5. Yeah. I, yeah, I, th- I think, I think I'm at like seven or eight. Um, just be, I mean, I mean, not because it's any worse, just because I'm like, you know, cautiously optimistic. Oh, um, Cause these first seasons are like historically horrible with Star Trek. Um, historically terrible but but like i mean everything from the cinematography to the the kind of like societal questions that he's already starting to talk about to the 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 freaking musical score oh beautiful beautiful with light motif and oh uh one thing did you notice the um balance of terror um from the original series balance of terror the um the music is at the very end of this episode Oh, I did not pick up. We're on musicians. That. I, did, course, I figure this is something I, we should bring up. I did. I did, of course, the Blue Skies reference. Oh, of, of course. course, of course. I mean, Data. Data always sings Blue Skies, Sarah. Um, in in one of the movies, totally it's a whole that. thing of him singing. Well, it opened with it. The Bing Crosby singing Blue Skies. Oh, I mean, I picked up on the an old opening time. with that. I just didn't. I, I guess maybe it's a Data thing you, later on. 
It's in it's in Nemesis. I was say, right now, what I've been seeing is that Data. It's very cute how much he likes Sherlock Holmes. I think it's adorable. Absolutely, yeah, it is. Um, okay, uh, one thing, just a, a deep dive thing before we leave Star Trek, um, real quick, and we're way over time, yeah. but it doesn't it's matter. It's we're the first week. It's the premiere. Um, this is a major spoiler for those of you, and it's even a spoiler for me because I'm in the middle of my Discovery watching, and we're almost done with season one. And but but because I had not watched Discovery, there were spoilers that I did not avoid about Discovery. And so, like I know at the end of season two, there's a major time jump. Yep. That time jump is roughly, I think they say, 800 years ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. In the future from where they were, which is about 200 years before, 100 years before uh, Next Gen. Are you, you mean after? No, Discovery happens before Next Gen. It does. Right. And so it's like, so, but it's eight, so it's like, it's like roughly 700 years after Next Gen. Something Something like like that, that. right? Okay. I don't think it's chance that i think kurtzman is trying to make too complete a universe that that woman at the daystrom institute said we're about a thousand years away oh i don't think that's chance in other words i think discovery is going to all of a sudden premiere with a whole planet of functional sentient organic synthetics Wow. now there's there's perna's prediction sure to go wrong vocal fry land i just have a feeling given that because i think what's her name also okay so here's the deal with that here's a bit of a deeper dive for all you people out there who are really care the woman who's actually one of the writers on discovery Heather, what's her last name? Heather, uh, I can't, it starts with an R. She was the main pitch to get Picard greenlit. And I think she wrote the season two finale of Discovery. All I'm saying is, I think Kurtzman's trying to complete to complete a universe. I don't think that was by chance. I don't think those two numbers are so close by chance. Hmm. I could be completely wrong. It just could have been a big random number. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because you don't hire a... No- like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about the hiring of Michael Chabon, who is- loves Star Trek so much, and just thinking about how a novelist would unfold a story arc. Novelists play the long game, right? I mean, your novelists, they're your great... They're mapping out five million pages of information and this, that, and the other, and... Sarah, are you looking up the name for me? Oh, oh, I was looking up the Michael Shabon thing. Oh, oh, (laughs) oh, oh, I see. uh, Yeah. Okay, anyway, um, so when I asked Josh to do this for us, I said that we would also have a part of this segment that included one really deep, divey, nerdy voice thing. Because if you don't know Dr. Glasner's work, Dr. Glasner's dissertation on historical recordings should now be required reading for all of us. He is going to become and is becoming one of the foremost researchers in our field, a true uh, data guru of data gurus, and uh, one of the up-and-coming researchers 
researchers in invoice science and pedagogy. Uh, so, Josh, what's your one random deep divey voice thing for us today? Okay. For the vocal fam to think about. Say it again. What, for the vocal fam to think about. Okay. So I we we had talked about this. We had talked about the um the the idea that we talk about Star Trek. Then we talk. We have this like kind of deep dive into a voice science nerdy thing. But beyond that, I wasn't really sure of the structure. So we can always change this from what I had thought about. But um, we might have to pause this, and then I'll give you some an audio file that is very very short. And uh, and you might want to play it for the uh, for the vocal fam. Um, okay. All right. It, we yeah. can do that. I'm talking okay. like less than a minute, um, kind of thing. Total. Okay. All right. So um, let's. Here's what we'll do. We'll stop our Skype, and then you send it to Sarah and I. We'll listen to it, and then I'll call you guys back because I can just put the. It's easy for me to take the sound file and put it into the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's easy. Exactly. So, do we all um, so let's together? just. So let let's pause together. Here Sounds we go. good. Ready? We're gonna stop and start new files. Okay. okay? Don't just pause. We're actually gonna do. Oh. We did one file. We're gonna do another Some file. Some of us have not been doing that in the past. Yes, you. I'm looking at you. It's okay. Me. So I, I'm gonna stop this. Oh dear. Oh dear. Okay. We can stop it whenever. Okay. Yeah. You ready? And stop. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We're back. Okay. We've just, li- jo- Dr. Glasner just had us listen to those audio files, vocal fam. Yeah. You did too. So, oh, yeah, what's up? Did. Okay. So, the first thing that we're listening to is a balloon pop. The balloon pop is, ha- is done um, uh, at the crook of a piano in my office with the microphone positioned um, near the uh, seat of the piano like I were like it was my right ear for example so it's facing to the right towards like more space towards a window um, what I'm talking about today is room acoustics and how it might impact how we listen to singers because um, a lot of us um, I used to think of I used to think that like if I'm working with a singer um, my tr- my instruction isn't going to change regardless of the room that I'm in um, and and I, and some people may have just chuckled at that but it, it act, we actually know that rooms act as filters um, just like the vocal tract acts like a filter. Um, so sure. what I've done is with that pop, I've actually, in a very simplistic way, captured the filter of my, the room, which is my office. Mm-hmm. And then with the microphone, um, I, and I've captured, captured that at the distance um, of the piano to the crook of the piano, the keys of the piano to the crook of the piano. Then you listen to a um, singer, a professional singer, tenor, singing a short snippet of um, Cotto. Um, and that, that original recording was recorded with the same type of microphone, not the same microphone, but the same type, five centimeters from the corner of his mouth. So no reflections from the room when he was recorded. We have just his sound, okay. and we have the, the pop of the balloon, which represents the, the filter of the room. Then what I did is I took MATLAB, and I actually combined the two. So that I used the filter of the room and put that with the uh, original recording of the singer. And so the third recording you heard was actually um, the singer, how he would sound in my room. 
So these two things Love are absolutely it. different. I don't think any of us would um, would argue that fact. These oh, yeah. sounds are completely different. One is oh, if I'm sure. like putting my ear right next to his face. And then yeah. the other is just literally, I don't know, maybe four feet away. I didn't actually measure it. Four feet away, but re- uh, and it relates to the um, kind of reflections in the room. So my challenge for everybody right now is actually to think about how that, how the the room you're working in, how the place, the positioning you are uh, in comparison to the singer, um, how the uh, the the kind of amount of padding in the room, all these different things might actually impact what you hear from the singer, and does that actually change any of your instruction? Oh, I completely agree. I've actually, I, I, I'm probably on my fourth or fifth or sixth configuration of my office in five years. I Sarah that. can testify to this. Just every few months, like you go in and it's just completely different. <laughs> things have disappeared. <laughs> things are totally different parts of the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that both my singers, particularly my more advanced singers who were more in tune, uh, not literally in tune, just in tune with like life and singing, not literally in tune with the piano. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a different thing. Um, but they would complain when they had to sing in certain sp- points of my office. And I have noticed as well that in general, I try not to sing in my office because I tend to push in that room. Um, and so I, I, I generally don't like singing in there. Um, uh, so I, I totally think it's an important thing for everybody. Absolutely. To I mean, and, and we know this as singers that if we sing in a different space, then it might result in a, um, kind of different sense of, of our own sound. And we're trained to actually kind of bypass that most of the time. Um, but I right. don't think we always consider that as teachers. Um, I know when I was up in New York, bouncing between different studios, um, as much as I'd like to think my instruction didn't change, if I was in a room that I knew had a had a like a, a resonance that boosted, let's say like G three um, or G two even, no G three would be more accurate. Um, then that that singer, I would actually um, that would actually result in me trying to make that singer sing a little bit brighter or kind of like um, minimize kind of like darker qualities because it would sound overly dark in that room but just in that room exactly exactly oh yeah go talk with the practice rooms at mc we we got to where we would never sing in them and that's why i almost hated like you know during practicum we would teach our voice lessons in those little practice rooms and i was like geez louise i almost feel bad that like these people are taking little voice lessons in this space that i know from experience it's brutal to sing in absolutely right well and i think it's um i think there's there's a multifaceted thing there too that we need to be aware of what our own sort of normal teaching space is Mm -hmm. but also we need to try to hear our singers and i think this particularly and, and please don't take this the wrong way vocal fam I think this particularly pertains to our classical singers who sing unmiked. We need to try to hear them in multiple acoustics. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because and in, for this and for the same reason, we need to hear our miked singers with the signal chain. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, we Sarah, we talked about that a lot in CCM Ped. Yes. Yes, yes, we did. Well, because it's just totally different. Right. You know, because, I mean, the signal chain... It's ultimately task-specific, right? Yes. Well, and, like, I spend half of my time trying to convince, you know, middle school girls that just because you want to sing this song and you're what you're listening to when you listen to these singers sing the songs you're singing is not necessarily the sound they are making like i need you to not imitate that and not feel like you have to be that loud sure and again notice how notice even with us us three right or we three um how quickly we're going back to that discussion of singers yeah yeah when actually like it's the the, the thing that I'm challenging myself with, I had a lesson right after I recorded that balloon pop and did a like a test trial of that filter. I had to really challenge myself to, to make sure that I was um, uh, on the right path. Um, because Think about this mm-hmm. too. How important would it be for choral directors to know the acoustic filter of their rehearsal space? Absolutely. And the kind of goals that they may or may not go for with their choir. Absolutely. I mean, I heard, and I heard, um, this isn't something that's like particularly, this isn't brand new. Maybe, maybe our, you know, our vocal fam hasn't heard the, the effect of the, like those filters and, and convolution, for example, just combining those two sounds, um, before. But I remember, uh, there was a PAVA conference a number of years ago where John Nix actually brought this up, I think, uh, yes. and, and, uh, He's done all their rooms. He's done acoustic profiles of Love all it. their rooms. Oh, cool. Love it. Um, well, and the other thing I know that a mutual friend of ours, because I've heard Noelle talk about this with her own studio, Noelle Archambault, who she's got all kinds of acoustic bleed in her office, and like the ambient DB level in her office is like yep. super high. It is. And I mean, then you have to consider your own hearing health in this case as well. And that was always a concern for me in my studio at WVU, it had, I think, my office had 11 different walls. Oh, my. And they were all hard plaster surfaces. Mm. And it was basically a giant bang box. Yeah, I was just going to say yeah. a band box. Um, and, uh, I mean, y- I mean, and you've heard Aaron Scarberry sing. And, and his lessons at times, he and I would be screaming at each other and <laughs> we'd finish the lesson and I'd be like, I don't need to hear singing anymore today. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you get a big boy tenor in a space like that or a big girl soprano and it's a, lot uh, of a lot of noise. Absolutely. So vocal fam. Consider doing an acoustic profile of your room. I think John used a thing called EQ Wizard. Yep, he did. Um, because uh, I wrote, I remember writing that down. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean, you'll need a, you'll need a, uh, some sort of like um monitor for that, some, some sort of speaker to do that. Um, to use that one. That's why I use the the balloon pop because I don't have a speaker right now that would be sufficient. Um, but there are multiple right. ways. This is just the cheaper way. Yeah, I'm all about that yeah. life things that i can afford sorry i'm dealing with discipline things with my children (laughs) um well dr glasner thank you so much 
for this week. Um, this was a bit longer of a segment than we're going to do week to week, <laughs> but it was the premiere of Picard, and in a, in a, not only the premiere of the season, but the premiere of the series. Yes. So uh, a lot of ground to, to, to cover. Thank you, Josh, for your time this week. Of course. Uh, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week after uh, the next episode, okay? Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having All me. All right. On. Let's 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 sync this up so we can sign off. Here we go. And go. And Vocal Fam, we are back. Yes. We never went away to you, but we went away to us. But we went away to us. And aren't you glad that I was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't start like a conversation in like two minutes remaining before we're supposed to go talk to somebody about Star Trek? And we're like, oh, but it's only going to be 15 minutes, except then sometimes it's not just 15 minutes. And then sometimes 45 minutes later. You're like, wait a second. Wait a second. But you know what? It was all valuable. It was all important. It was. And for all you what know, that could have session. been the pedagogy that we were going to talk about. Jokes on you. Yeah. So, <laughs> so vocal fam, that was not only a deep dive into pedagogy and voice and hearing and Picard and Picard. And Boy, we covered a lot of bases we today, really Sarah. It's been a wild Sarah, Sunday. Sarah, what'd you have for breakfast? Oh, I had a lemon poppy seed muffin. I had this little lemon glaze and some cottage cheese, but, but mostly the muffins. Mm-hmm. I love they were really love good. Sarah, I love them. I hadn't been able to Sarah find had them, s- but Sarah had I some did muffins. have some muffins. They were good muffins. I love muffins. Love it. All right. Well, Vocal Fam, huge, huge, exciting announcement tomorrow. Yeah. Big guest on the podcast next week. Uh, in two weeks' time, we'll have uh, the wonderful Heidi Moss yes, on. we're very excited. Um, we're recording that next weekend. But you'll so hear excited it about two that. weeks but from now. Yeah, two weeks from now. You'll hear that two we- in two weeks. But next weekend, Vocal Fan, right here on the podcast, El Jefe himself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the executive director of the National Association of Teachers of Singing, Alan Henderson, will join us to tell us about Nats in Knox and... Other things. Something else that's going on. You know, on. it's funny totally off topic but funny you said el jefe and it reminded me how my uncle who um he works at a golf course and he has several employees that speak spanish and for years he thought that they were calling him his name is frank and he thought they were calling him boss in spanish but they were actually calling him hot dog because his (laughs) name is frank and he said that to me one time and i had taken spanish in high school i was like yeah that doesn't mean boss and he goes what and i was like yeah they're calling you a hot dog so I think I burst his bubble. Felt a little bad about it, but when you called him El Jefe, that's what I, I just every time I always think hot dog. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, there you go. So vocal fam, we will be back at we you. Will. Uh, episode will probably drop Saturday evening sometime. I would think so. That's so the plan. Um, we just gotta that's the coordinate plan anyway. with with Josh. We'll have another episode of Picard by then. Yes. That, that'll be the only trick, uh, I think. Yes, that'll be the only trick. So anyway. Anyway. Vocal fam, 
this semester is going to be... A doozy? Oh boy, I didn't even get to talk today about the craziness that went on in perception this week. In perception? <sighs> yes, as in voice acoustic perception, I... psychoacoustics. <sighs> we also didn't talk about Doctor Who. And last week's episode I, I thought mean, was really good. Yeah, gosh. There's too many things, too little time to talk about. There's so about much it. going on, vocal fam. There's so much. So many things. There's so much, but all valuable. And y'all... You know what? You know what the lesson is, Sarah? What? It'll soon be June. I'm so ready. I'm so excited. I'm asleep so much, guys. I'm actually really pumped because I just found out we have a winter break in addition to a spring break at the school I work at. Oh. And by winter break, I don't even mean the winter break that y'all are like, yeah, it just happened, Sarah. It's called, like, Christmas and New Year's. No, no. They have another, and I'm excited because I like sleep. All right, vocal fam, that's it. We're that's out. It for us. So long. Peace. Bye. <laughs> what? Hello and goodbye. And Papa and Charlie made chocolate nut cookies yesterday. Wow. We did. What a way to bookend okay. the ep- episode. Bye, vocal fam. We love you. And let's kill it.